You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with a summer tragedy and a warning as people seek to beat the summer heat. A teenager and a young man are dead after an outing at Harrison Lake. It began last night when three people were reported in distress. Grace Key has more on the rescue efforts and a warning for anyone using that lake. Grace. The drowning happened right behind me. They were just 70 feet from the shoreline and about 10 to 15 feet deep in the water when people started hearing screams for help. It was supposed to be the last fun family gathering at the lake before school started, but it ended in tragedy for one Surrey family. People were screaming on the beach. People were putting their hands up in the air. Everyone kind of cluttered into the water. Um, all you could see was the mom screaming on the beach on her hands and knees with her hands on her face. It happened at about 6 o'clock Sunday evening at Harrison Lake. The details are still unclear, but somehow three people found themselves in distress. Witnesses were able to pull one person to safety. Two others, a 16-year-old boy and his 24-year-old uncle, drowned. Their bodies were recovered the next morning. They were just 70 feet from the shore and in about 10 to 15 feet of water. There is an area where there is a drop-off and the water becomes deeper. I believe that uh, possibly that's what happened. They got into deeper water and found themselves in trouble. 2015 was one of the worst years for Harrison Lake. There were four drownings that summer, and rescuers say on some of the hottest days, people often underestimate the chilly, glacier-fed waters. That water is dangerous. The deaths prompted this public service announcement from friends and family of two victims. This recent tragedy is another reminder to use caution. Be a strong swimmer. If you think that you can't handle it, then don't go in the water. RCMP say they don't believe alcohol was involved. This is not a criminal investigation. They're saying this is simply a very tragic accident. Sophie? Grace Kate Harrison Lake for us. Grace, thank you. A late night rescue in North Vancouver. A group of tubers out for a day of fun became stranded until the wee hours of this morning in the Capilano River. Jordan Armstrong explains what happened and the important step they missed in being prepared. What happened, guys? Uh, we few words from a member of the Lucky Seven rescued from the Capilano River overnight. Yeah, I don't really want to be on the news. Firefighters setting out in darkness for a complicated save that would last four hours. And it involved our members uh, hiking down into the river. It involved them actually um, moving in the river, paddling upstream. Uh, there was a lot of elements. The call for help coming from a group of seven tubers fooled by the earlier sunset. They launched late in the day near the fish hatchery and floated past the Capilano suspension bridge. By 10 p.m., they realized they were stuck and called 911. No match for darkness in steep canyon walls. They've got low, very low battery power on their uh, on their phone right now, so they're un unable to provide us with uh, any further information. Fortunately, firefighters spot a dim light from the fading phone and use a boat to reach the location. Then, using ropes, five tubers are pulled to safety, one by one, near the suspension bridge. The two others walk out on their own downstream. We're able to uh, make contact with them, retrieve them, and get them back up and uh, hand them over to BC Ambulance for an assessment. One of the seven men taken to hospital, treated for exhaustion. 
Also tired are the North Van Firefighters, wrapping up their fourth save in 24 hours. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. And no rest for the weary. North Vancouver fire crews called out again this afternoon. Fire crews executing a long line rescue from the suspension bridge to reach a woman who had a possible rib or spine injury after cliff jumping in the area and injuring herself on the way down. About a dozen members were involved in this rescue. Probably the last 36 hours, I'd say we're probably at six to seven uh, rescues uh, across the North Shore from, uh, from Capilano River out to Quarry Rock and, uh, and in between. So it's a busy weekend. We are reminding people to just have an awareness around uh, what you're doing in the, uh, in the front country here, whether you're going into the rivers or you're going out onto the trails. Be prepared, uh, know the conditions, and uh, just be safe. This likely won't shock you, but a heat warning is in effect tonight. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us with details on that. And look at some weather records, Yvonne. Yes, so if it's been record-breaking for the past three days, for all days out of our long weekend, and the heat warning is in effect for Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, included within that is Abbotsford, and it stretches all the way in towards Squamish. We've had record heat today, Chilliwack included within that for the Fraser Valley, up to 36.4. Yesterday we had five records fall, eight the day before. We've unofficially set close to a handful for today. It'll still be hot over the next two days. The timing of a change that is on the way with cooler temperatures, coming up shortly. So, all right, thanks for that, Yvonne. A BC Hall of Fame basketball coach who's worked with stars like Steve Nash has been forced out of the game. Rich Goulet has been coaching young talent at Pitt Meadows High School for 39 years. But last year, some parents complained. The veteran coach tells our Jill Bennett what he thinks happened and why he says he's being treated unfairly. Evan! You stop playing the guy and he went around you. For 53 years, Rich Golay has used this tough approach and it's worked. The decorated, well-respected basketball coach has taken teams all the way to becoming provincial champs several times. Somehow on the court, I'm a fiery, in-your-face, loud, yelling coach. When it's dead, you got to get back on the guy. Goulet had retired from teaching but continued volunteering at Pitt Meadows Secondary, putting in countless hours and fundraising hundreds of thousands of dollars. In July, he was told to resign his volunteer position after complaints were made by some unidentified parents. The complaints are issues with players and they said I was demeaning and if you think that telling them how to improve from being where they are is demeaning, uh, then, you know, that's that's that. Goulet says he was also accused of nudging a player who was laughing because the team was losing during a tournament in December. He left quietly, but the backlash has been anything but. Three of his former students, all who made it to the NBA, have taken to Twitter. Steve Nash telling his 2.6 million followers, lucky I got to play for Coach Goulet. Kelly Olenek learned a ton from Coach Goulet, and Robert Sacri calls him the great Goulet. What he was being accused of was what Rich has done for 50 years, right? Several coaches at competing schools are so angry, they're planning to boycott future games with Pitt Meadows Secondary. We're not going to play. And people have said to me, like, what about the kids? And, and I said to them, what about Rich Goulet? He has worked with thousands of kids. The school board has issued a brief statement, but cites privacy concerns for the lack of details. As for the parents who complained to the board but said nothing to the coach? Yeah, I think they're cowards. And I think they were enabled to be cowards by the school administration. Jill Bennett, Global News. 
More complaints tonight on the wildfire front, or more specifically, how the Elephant Hill wildfire is being fought. While the province says it's doing everything it can, questions are being raised about help that's being turned down. Our reporter Nadia Stewart is on the ground covering this fire. Nadia, there is gratitude for the crews working around the clock, but there's a lot of frustration growing as well. Yeah, the people that I speak with are very thankful for the firefighters, but they are questioning some of the operational decisions being made behind the scenes. And at least one man that I spoke with says help is being turned down when it should not be. This video gives you a sense of just how close Paradise Bay Resort owner Chris Brown came. The Elephant Hill wildfire burning right to the edge, making for some tense moments. Here's how close this fire come to us. The resort's owner says crews have been on the ground here for a few days. There's a few 14s coming in and uh, sucking up water, dumping it right behind the resort. The once picturesque resort now surrounded by burnt trees. But Paradise Bay is still standing, and Brown is grateful. This is right behind the resort, right here. This fire came right up to my property pin. I was out in Lake Ballin when this stuff come through. So thank God these guys were here. A lot of people have shared their stories of loss, and it's been heartbreaking. Jeff Kelly says those stories have prompted him and a group of B.C. companies to offer specialized pumping and response equipment to the B.C. Wildfire Service. He says those offers have been turned down. Pressy Lake, in my opinion, was an absolute disaster and could have been handled so much better. Over 40 homes, and they were all lakefront property. I know our equipment could have saved all of those. But the BC Wildfire Service says the Elephant Hill wildfire is well-staffed and is being aggressively fought. We've seen all summer long the resources from Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, all parts of Canada. So we have received a lot of resources um, from these asks. And more help before this fire arrived today. Another 40 firefighters from Mexico made their way to the area. A lot of the smoke that you see behind me is because of controlled burns that have been happening in and around the areas that have already been burned. But this fire is still only 50% contained, and it's traveled quite a long way, Sophie, to get here. Back to you. Nadia Stewart covering the Elephant Hill wildfire for us. Nadia, thank you. And this unique view of air tankers battling a wildfire near Peachland over the weekend, courtesy of the B.C. Wildfire Service. The Finley Creek wildfire flared up Saturday, the 1,500-hectare blaze putting about 400 homes in the area on evacuation alert. The hot, dry conditions also partly to blame for how quickly a fire spread in Surrey. Flames broke out at a home in the 6100 block of 152nd Street just before midnight. The home is located in a heavily forested area and several trees also went up in flames. Thankfully, crews managed to get it under control. No word on a cause. It's believed the house was abandoned. From fires to tropical storms, B.C. vacationers are returning home after a Mexican holiday that was memorable, but for all the wrong reasons. Tropical storm Lydia swept through the west coast of Mexico, hitting parts of Cabo San Lucas particularly hard. Aaron MacArthur reports. Cars floating away. Dry riverbeds turned into raging torrents. Tropical storm Lydia dropped almost a meter of rain in the Baja Peninsula. 
Some of that water tore through a resort popular with Canadians. Delta residents Mandy Gill and Simone Grewal were with their two kids when the water was suddenly five feet deep and rushing through the lobby. It wasn't from the ocean. It, none of it was from the ocean. It was all from inland, from upstream and down. And it was higher than that. That's just kind of where it rested after it kind the of... The family spent the night sheltering in place, finding cots and mattresses to sleep in the hallway on. The worst was still to come, however. The hotel seemed unprepared for the level of damage. Mud covered the entire first floor. There was no power, no food, no water, and seemingly no help. Other Canadians caught in the storm say no one was prepared to deal with the aftermath. People were running around in circles. I understand the workers worked very hard to take care of us, and that was great. But people were waiting for five hours in lineups for a bagged lunch, which consisted of a piece of ham and some lettuce. The damage from the storm, extensive. Official reports put the death toll at seven people, with 13 still missing. That number likely to go higher. Travel experts say tourists need to be ready to spend days on their own if disaster strikes. For anyone who has a trip that's upcoming and are worried about your trip, it seems like everything is getting back to normal, the water's receding and that type of thing. But if you are concerned, contact your tour operator or a travel agent if you've booked through one, and you can change your dates or your destination. For the Delta couple, the nightmare had a safe outcome. But it is a lesson for anyone thinking about a vacation to the tropics during hurricane season. But we just want like people to know that if you're a family going down or you're going somewhere, like you need to go to a place where there is a plan in place and take your own supply so you can be prepared if that should strike. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The city of Vancouver is eyeing a major change to traffic on some downtown Vancouver streets, and it doesn't involve bike lanes. How about vehicle-free roads? What's behind the idea and which streets could become pedestrian only in just over a minute? Record-setting Labor Day heat also fueling flames south of the border. A state of emergency in Los Angeles and a heartbreaking homecoming for some residents. And Kate Middleton and Prince William announced they'll be parents for a third time. Bookies are already taking bets on names. The front runners coming up later on the news hour. In Vancouver's ongoing push to be the world's greenest city by the year 2020, consultation is starting on another green project. It involves turning several popular streets into pedestrian-only zones. Jeff Hastings has more on this from Gastown. Jeff Water Street, one of those possibilities. Yeah, that's right, Sophie. The city of Vancouver says that pedestrians will continue to be the top transportation priority. Picture this, Water Street from Cordova all the way down to Carroll, close to cars. Driving down Gastown's Water Street on a beautiful day isn't easy. There are people everywhere. In the future, you may not be able to drive here at all. Pedestrian only. What do you think of that? 100% behind that. Yeah, I've been th- I think about it every day. Water Street comes up just once in the city's Transportation 2040 document. Page 68 reveals it's a prime candidate to become a pedestrian priority area, along with Robson Street in the downtown and West End, and with Hamilton and Mainland Streets in Yaletown. We've got enough pe- pedestrians to do that? We do have do enough that? pedestrians yeah. to do that, especially yeah. when cruise ship season is in. It's an old neighborhood in need of serious and expensive repair. The faux cobblestones and bricks patched with asphalt could use a break. 
It's hard to find anyone opposed to the idea. I think that would be a benefit to everyone, not just pedestrians who would have an easier time getting through, uh, but I think also drivers as well. I mean, I, I realize it would take some streets away from them, but this is an, a nightmarish neighborhood to drive through. It just doesn't work for pedestrians and drivers to be in the neighborhood at the same time, I don't think. The idea has been burning a hole in plain sight for some time. The Transportation 2040 plan was adopted by Vancouver Council nearly five years ago. Oh, hell, I'd love it. And I think it would actually bring a lot more people into Gastown. I do notice a lot of congestion in here. It's pointed out that vehicle trips downtown are declining. The hope is to have two-thirds of trips on foot, bike, or by transit by 2040. We got a statement from the city today, Sophie. It's a long weekend, so no one was available to go on camera. But the statement stresses that this is very, very early in the process. There's still a lot of consultation to come with people who live here, with people who work here in the broader community as a whole. That process is going to embark sometime this fall. Back to you. Jeff, thanks for that. It was supposed to be a fresh start, but it turned into a big fail for a family moving from Alberta to B.C. I was heartbroken. Absolutely. I was like, how can you do that? A moving day disaster and how to protect yourself and your possessions up next. And later, begging for war, tensions ramp up in the North Korean nuclear conflict. Well, we've all heard those moving horror stories, and this one is especially heartbreaking. Our consumer reporter, Andrea, has a cautionary tale involving an industry that gets its fair share, more than, of complaints, mm-hmm. Anne. Sad but true. Thank you, Sophie. The moving industry is not overly regulated, and with the Internet, it's easy for rogue movers to pose as a reputable business. Tonight, we meet a woman whose recent move from Alberta to B.C. can only be described as a nightmare. Several goods were badly damaged, including a priceless item belonging to her little girl. Really, it doesn't work. This motorized ride-on is more than just a toy for five-year-old Balin. It made being sick not so sick. This custom Escalade was designed by Stance Kids, an Edmonton-based group of volunteers who build power wheels for critically ill children. Balin was born with two rare conditions, congenital glaucoma and an immature vascular system. Last year she had four strokes at the age of four, and we found out she has critical stenosis of her both carotid arteries, so they're pinched off like straws. The car had been souped up to include everything from furry seat covers, a radio, even IV poles when Balin is in hospital. The fur here is all gone, Um, those no longer stay on. Um, The doors don't shut. But this priceless set of wheels was so badly damaged in a recent move from Alberta to B.C., it's now parked permanently in Trisha Alward's condo. I was heartbroken. Absolutely. I was like, how can you do that? Trisha says she hired selective movers for a scheduled move on June 29th from Edmonton to Langley. But Trisha says to her surprise, not only did the movers show up a day late, it was a different company who pulled up to her Alberta home, Blue Ocean Moving. What's worse, she says several items were badly damaged, including this child car seat, Balin's customized Escalade and fragile keepsakes. This was a gift to Balin when she was born. It was a musical boot. After trying to get in contact for weeks, Trisha says she was eventually told Blue Ocean Moving would be sending a settlement package to sign. When Trisha asked for clarification... And I have never heard another word. Completely stonewalled. Completely stonewalled. That's the first 
place where she was really uh, deceived in my mind if they did indeed sub-trade uh, this without letting her know. Doug Kello is the president of Salmon's Transfer and a member of the Canadian Association of Movers. He says when hiring a mover, make sure they are A-plus accredited with the Better Business Bureau. On the accredited situation, the mover has already said, if we can't agree on, a, on an issue, the Better Business Bureau uh, can arbitrate it and make a decision. Blue Ocean Moving is not accredited with the Better Business Bureau, and it's received an F rating. We contacted Blue Ocean Moving and Selective Movers, and no one returned our emails or phone calls. As for Tricia Alward, her hopes of a fresh start in B.C. now overshadowed by a nightmare moving experience. Also, if you are moving long distances, the Canadian Association of Movers recommends going with an agent from one of the major national van lines. It's also recommending you do further back checks with the association who has a list of accredited movers. Be very careful of just taking a slick website and reacting without doing your research. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. It seems there is no end to gun violence in Metro Vancouver, with five fatal shootings last week alone. Now for the first time, a local group working to keep at-risk teens from choosing the gang path is expanding their violence prevention to kids as young as 11 and 12. Tanya Beja reports. Backs against the wall, give me three strategies, go. They call him Papa Bear. Be calm, man. Joe Calandino's mix of tough love and technique helps students master the art of self-defense. Through, under, and up. You gotta be engaging yet. Strict. Ten push-ups, let's go. Calandino, a former Hells Angel, is using his past to steer others away from bad decisions. Just one poor choice leads to another poor choice to eventually you finding an identity that leads you into a lifestyle. Don't release the finger. Calendino wants to offer youth a positive alternative. And jog. He and his wife Brenda formed Yo Bro Yo Girl, giving classroom talks and after school programs to promote confidence and keep kids off the streets. But with gun and drug violence proliferating, they're now targeting a younger audience, moving into 12 elementary classrooms in Surrey, Vancouver and Chilliwack. Even grade 4 or 5, peers uh, you know, take on a bigger role than you know, parents. Often kids form their identity based on how many likes they have on Instagram. Stand next to a partner around the same size as you, we're going to do some grip fighting. The idea at this Newton Community Centre to create a safe space for youth to engage face-to-face with role models their own age. We're going to begin in our grip fighting position with people like Ari Aziz, once considered at risk, now studying to be a civil engineer. I don't think I even had a plan until I heard uh, Joe sort of, you know, telling me to get my life together, figure out what I want and, you know, think long term instead of just living in the moment. It's clear for participants the lessons are life-changing. I've found like a new passion, something that I could be good at. Like I'm really into stuff like that, bettering yourself every single day. This has kind of given all of us, I guess, another sense of confidence. Ready? They hope to mentor others Three, one move two, at a time. Tanya Beja, Global News. If you thought the tension over North Korea's nuclear capabilities was bad enough, it appears to be ramping up. That's just ahead. Plus, unbelievable scenes out of Los Angeles in one of the worst fires in LA's history. And later, number five, William and Kate get set to welcome the fifth in line to the British throne. 
A state of emergency in Los Angeles as the Latuna Canyon Inferno burns on 2,800 hectares. 1,400 people forced from their homes and four properties reduced to ashes. The wildfire is one of 58 raging from Nevada to Washington state. In Northern California, a 15 square kilometer fire is destroying more than has destroy, destroyed rather more than 30 homes. A series of fires scorching bone dry land as well in Montana. The flames fueled by record setting Labor Day weekend heat. Florida is under a state of emergency tonight as another powerful hurricane barrels toward the U.S. Supplies are running out at some stores as Floridians stock up on what they can find and make plans to get out. Irma gaining strength as a fierce Category 4 storm targeting the Caribbean. The hurricane far out over the Atlantic and still several days away, but with the potential to cause catastrophic damage along the eastern seaboard. Everything is lost. And nine days after Hurricane Harvey hit, Houston is struggling to recover from the historic flooding. At least 45 people are dead, and that number is expected to rise. Several communities are still underwater, and tens of thousands are out of their homes. Thousands more evacuations, uh, uh, pardon me, thousands more out as evacuations were ordered over the weekend. With an estimated $180 billion in damage, rebuilding will take years. Enough is enough, and Kim Jong-un is begging for war. Stern words from the U.S. at an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council today. The warning comes after North Korea's most powerful nuclear test yet, and an alarming escalation in an already tense standoff. South Korea today showed Kim Jong-un what an attack on his regime would look like, with fighter jets taking part in a simulated strike on North Korea's nuclear facilities. And now South Korea is warning North Korea appears to be preparing for yet another missile launch. At an emergency meeting at the UN, the U.S. urging tougher diplomacy and charging that Kim Jong-un is pushing the world toward conflict. His abusive use of missiles and his nuclear threats show that he is begging for war. Multiple senior U.S. officials tell NBC News North Korea crossed a big line on Sunday, detonating what it claimed was a thermonuclear bomb. State propaganda showed Kim Jong-un proudly inspecting a peanut-shaped device. The detonation, a suspected hydrogen bomb, in which an atomic bomb is just the trigger for a far more powerful blast. Around five times more powerful, experts say, than the atomic bomb the U.S. dropped on Nagasaki during World War II. North Korea claims it can load its new bomb onto a missile that can reach the United States. As the U.S. weighs a response, President Trump giving nothing away. Mr. President, will you attack North Korea? On possible military options, his defense secretary issued the starkest of warnings. We are not looking to the total annihilation of a country, namely North Korea. But as I said, we have many options to do so. Then the economic options. President Trump said he's considering stopping all trade with any country doing business with North Korea. But that would include China, which happens to be our biggest trading partner, too. Cutting off trade with China is entirely impractical, not just because of the amount of goods that America buys from China, but that China would retaliate by selling off the U.S. dollar, and that would devastate the U.S. economy. 
In health news, new research suggests PSA testing for prostate cancer can save lives. The U.S. National Cancer Institute used mathematics to determine the screening, which looks for elevated levels of a certain protein in the blood, can significantly reduce the risk of death from the disease. 2014 guidelines from a Canadian task force said PSA testing for prostate cancer was no longer effective. This past April, a similar U.S. task force revised its guidelines to encourage men to speak to their doctors about screening. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer among Canadian men. One in eight will develop it, and one in 28 will die. A Labor Day surprise. The royal family will soon be gaining a new member. I'm, I'm quite surprised this timing. William and Kate expecting baby number three. Will it be a boy or a girl? and turning stray dogs in Thailand into street guardians. A unique new program in Thailand aimed at saving street dogs and improving neighborhood safety. Details after Yvonne's weather forecast. Yvonne's down at the PE for the final night of the fair. And, uh, you know, we always talk about rain during the fair, but definitely not the case this year. No, it was a dry one. There was one day there was a brief shower, but aside from that, it's been a dry one uh, in the books for PE 2017. Let's take a look at some of the numbers and the temperatures. It is going to remain hot over the next two days for Metro Vancouver with a heat warning in effect. 25, that was by the water, but inland sections today we're pushing at 35 and 36 degrees. We'll continue to see the heat for two more days, so do be prepared. And we do have some smoke moving into the area. The interior sections into the low 30s, most areas for the southern interior will still see the heat for the next three days. And we are going to be seeing a reprieve across much of the province. And I'll time that out. But first off on the satellite and radar. So two days across coastal sections and three that will see the heat. We have that ridge of high pressure that's remained very strong. The heat warning is in effect because we'll see the temperatures into the mid and upper 30s inland over the next two days. And we do have some outflow winds northeasterly that are going to bring the smoke from the interior across coastal sections. And we'll see that as early as this evening. And leading into Tuesday. Northern half of the province up to 21 degrees tomorrow, inland bumping up to 28. We do have areas of smoke across the central and southern interior with air quality advisories that are still in effect, so still remaining hot tomorrow into the low 30s for most spots, and the south coast will keep be keeping an eye on the air quality advisory that is in effect and the heat. Inland sections tomorrow into the mid and upper 30s, and we'll see that across the island as well. Back to school tomorrow, be prepared and dress appropriately. You'll want to stay hydrated and grab that sunscreen where 27 inland sections will be up to 33, similar for a Wednesday. And importantly, on Thursday, Friday, we'll start to track a change on the way where we do have an increase in cloud cover. Some precipitation, showers or rainfall will develop as early as the evening hours and we'll see that pushing in towards our Friday. And temperatures are cooling off. Those who are looking for a break, it'll be on Friday with 21 degrees. So things have wrapped up. We did check out the horses earlier. Uh, the final show jumping show is just being set up in behind me this evening. We're inside the Agrodome and it's it's been a great run for the PE. We've seen dry conditions so so a center of a PE and temperatures once again very hot over the next two days. Back to you. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. A South Korean ad agency is unveiling a new block watch program with a bite in Thailand. Meet the watchdogs. These Bangkok street dogs chosen to test a prototype smart vest as they roam the city. A hidden camera is attached to the collar, and when its sensors detect aggressive barking, a live stream video of the dog's view is sent to a central location. It's hoped the stray dogs will be able to spot danger and become canine crime fighters.
So it's going to be trial and error. Um, we're always going to be on a very steep learning curve at the start, uh, and then we will iron out differences as we, as we move forward. Let the frenzy begin. Prince William and Duchess Kate Middleton are expecting their third child. The baby will be fifth in line to the British throne and a sibling to Prince George and Princess Charlotte. As Nitu Garcha reports, BC's capital city is even a name contender for the newborn. In BC, where the royals paid a visit almost a year ago, baby name bets have many excited. Behind Alice and Elizabeth, topping the list is Victoria. Excellent choice. Yeah. Excellent. My vote's for Victoria. Victoria's a natural. Pick Victoria, it's a great name. Oh, it's got to be Victoria. After Prince George, it would be the second BC name in the royal family. There's a theme going on, so they got to stick with it. In Victoria, we have so much British feel and British, and I'm sure when they came here, they saw that. That Victoria's an older place, and there's so much British feel. Predictions are the new addition to the Cambridge family will be born in late April or early May. Long had the air and the spare, but of course, with the changes in the law, this child, whatever the sex, whether it's a boy or a girl, will be fifth in line to the throne. The news also sparking surprise. I am surprised. I mean, everybody keeps saying that they're going to have more, but I'm surprised, yeah. The Duchess of Cambridge showing no visible signs she's carrying the fifth in line to the throne. I'm slightly surprised at the timing because, of course, uh, William and Kate had said that they were coming down to London and staying here at Kensington Palace behind me so that they could step up their royal duties. And obviously Kate's not going to be able to do many of those. Her severe morning sickness forcing an early announcement that came before the 12-week mark for the previous two pregnancies. She, she might only be about two months pregnant. They've got three children very quickly. It's a lot of hard work. But the Queen and both families are said to be delighted. Fantastic. Great. Very, very happy for them. So too are many in BC's capital. Then they can come back and visit Victoria with baby Victoria. Or Victor. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Victoria. What other BC cities could they name this baby after? Well, you've got Prince George covered. Right, so um, why not? I don't know. Alice Lake, is that? Well, Alice is on the list. There? Okay, there. Be after Alice Lake. I don't know. They're not going to go for something crazy like, I don't know, Nanaimo or (laughs) Hope. How about Hope? Hope! Very good. Hope could be good. But uh, the English and the the royals like those old school names. Right. Hope's a little, not so modern, but you know. Victoria would be nice. Victoria would be nice. Nanaimo, I'm not so sure. Nanaimo's (laughs) a nice place, but it's it's a nice name for a dessert. Yeah. But not so much for a royal baby. Yeah. Um, Many BC Lions are surprised that teammate Adam Big Hill only made the New Orleans Saints practice roster. I think everybody realized that, you know, a lot of things aren't fair. Why is it so tough for a CFL star to get an NFL job? Also ahead, a stroll through the PE, the valet parking you wouldn't expect. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. I was just stuck on girl names, but you're right, we don't know. Some, be... Someone on Twitter suggested Rupert. Prince Rupert. Prince Rupert. Perfect. We'll go with Victoria or Prince Rupert. Settle. They don't have to worry about it anymore. Okay. Uh, Jim Benning said it would take most of the summer to sign Bo Horvat, and apparently Jim Benning wasn't kidding because Horvat still is not signed. The Canucks hope to have it done before the end of this week. Now, what we've been hearing is the likely issue in this negotiation is length of contract more than money. Horvat was the Canucks' leading scorer last year, but the Canucks may want a shorter deal to see what he can do for them 
before giving him the big deal. Horvat would like the long-term contract now. Remember, even though Horvat led Vancouver in goals and points, he only had two goals in his final 20 games and no goals at all in his last 17 games of the season. That kind of drought might have the Canucks thinking that maybe we should give Horvat a short contract, see what he does going forward. He is definitely a big part of their future, but the question I guess they have is, is he going to be a big-time scorer? Well, as good as a player is in the CFL, for example, Adam Big Hill, the mere fact he played in the CFL some, can sometimes have him be looked upon in different terms by NFL teams, making it extra tough for a player from the CFL to make the cut down south. This year, four BC Lions tried their luck with NFL training camps. Only two are still there, and none of them made the main roster. It's stressful. Uh, it's a cutthroat, cutthroat business. Um, you know, you really got to be dedicated. And um, so many guys who have a lot of talent go down there, and and guys who you know should be there aren't just because you know politics or whatever. Brian Burnham should know. This past off season, he auditioned for ten NFL clubs, trying to land that coveted NFL job. Burnham didn't even get a free agent contract. He and his Lions teammates have been keeping a close eye on the camps put in by former Leos Adam Big Hill, Alex Bazzi, Bo Lacumbo, and Richie Leone, with only Big Hill and Lacumbo earning practice roster jobs after strong NFL camps. Now, you know what, I think everybody realized that, you know, a lot of things aren't fair, and we're all kind of surprised when Bigs didn't make it because, like you said, his camp that he had was um, spectacular. He did some really good things, and... You know, I, talk, I got a chance to talk to him a couple of days ago. And I was like, Biggs, you know what? It doesn't matter, you know, where you start. It's about how you finish. And, you know, just take it like you did when you was here in BC Lions. You know, you came here, you was a practice roster player, and you just slowly, slowly, you know, um, improved and moved yourself up. And that's the mentality he has, and that's what he's going to do. If you're an undrafted free agent like all four former Leos who tried out down south, it truly does take a leap of faith by an NFL team to open up its arms and welcome you into the fold. That's because the deck is stacked against you the moment you step onto the field. Sometimes it ain't all about what you do on the field. It's all about, hey, are you an SEC guy? Are you, are you the prototype size? You see what I'm saying? So a lot of things come into factor. You got guys who are drafted, vets who are being paid millions, man, and you're just, you know, coming out of college, man, you're pretty much nobody to them. So That's what's tough is there's a lot of money invested in guys in front of you. So those guys... You might earn a spot, but those guys did enough to keep the spot. That's already in front of you, right? So that's what people understand. The Lions have already talked to Alex Bazzi about returning to BC once he's exhausted all his NFL options. That should happen by the end of the week. Jay Janower, Global Sports. All right. Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, Labor Day Classic, Calgary, Edmonton. Bo Levi Mitchell didn't need to make any touchdown passes today. What kind of tackling is this? Come on. Knife through butter. Anthony Parker, 24 yards for Calgary. Then the men in black score again. Last year on Labor Day, Roy Finch returned one for a touchdown. Apparently it's his day because he did it again. There's 40, 55. No one's going to touch him now. He's running by himself. Eskimos starting to fade a little bit after that great start to the season. Calgary's still going, 39-18, the final. And out east, this game between Toronto and Hamilton had to be stopped halfway through the second quarter for two hours because of 
thunder and lightning and biblical rain. But they are back on the field now with Toronto leading 6 nothing. Well, Adam Hadwin had a decent Dell championship. Despite a 2-over-73 today, he uh, finished in a tie for 13th. Nick Taylor was 56. That finish for Adam Hadwin means he will be on the international team in the upcoming President's Cup when it's the world minus Europe against the United States. It'll start September 28th in New Jersey. Now, today at the Dell, Mark Leishman, very much in the running. 18th hole, though. What's going on here? It's going to hit those rocks. Cameraman, this is a man dedicated to his job. That went right between oh, nice. his legs. Right Leishman didn't win, needless to say. <laughs> this guy won. Justin Thomas for the fourth time in 2017. Of course, he won the PGA Championship. That's an eagle. He drove the green in a par four. He wins by three over Spieth, four over Leishman. There you go. All right. Thanks, Wire. You're welcome. Let's check in with Jada Rant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Thank you, Sophie. We'll have more on our top story. The problems as outdoor adventurers head out onto the water this long weekend. And we'll also bring you the latest on a grass fire burning near Boston Bar. These are pictures just into our newsroom. The blaze has slowed down uh, Highway 1 to a single lane alternating traffic. We'll have those stories and the rest of the day's news tonight on Global News at 11. All right. Thanks, Jay. You think parking a car is a challenge at the PNE? Squire has an entirely new parking lot for you coming up next. Look expensive. Strollers? Yeah. Yes, apparently you can you can really trick them out. Because now they have cup holders and they have stuff underneath for mom. Probably a place for your iPad or something. Oh, probably. Like a charger. Baby's iPad. For everybody's iPad. (laughs) Um, And you can see behind me, that is from the Pacific Coliseum because the P&E has a parking lot just for strollers. If you've spent the money to pimp your baby's ride, you'll appreciate the P&E's stroller valet service at the Coliseum. It's actually uh, a fire regulation that we don't block any alleyways and stairways and that. So now we set up an area where we ask people to bring their strollers to that area and we park the stroller for them and we look after the stroller. Is this harder than running a valet for cars, do you think? It's, uh, yes, because we've got to deal with uh, mothers and fathers. <laughs> and little crying babies that come in our way. When you, when you park this thing, this is like a Porsche to you. You Pretty do not... Much. Yeah, I was a little bit hesitant to leave it, but they're good here. They have a tag, make sure that we got the right one back. And that's why being a stroller valet is serious business. Some of these owners think of their strollers the way they do cars. Favorite part of the stroller? Um, I think how easy it is to drive. It's a pretty good, it's a good little thing. You think of dr- pushing a stroller as yes. driving. Yes, I do. It is a, exactly like driving. And you, do, you have to take it for a test drive. It's got uh, lots of bonus features. The uh, extendable uh, oh, yes. hood on it. Yes. Look at this. Show that us again. No, no sun in, in our baby's eyes. And it isn't just the drivers that are discernible. The riders are as well. Do you like your stroller? Yeah. Why do you like your stroller? Because two people can sit in it. Who gets to sit in it with you? My sister. And oh. I also got two stuffies. So it fits a sister and two stuffies. <laughs> yes. That's, that's very roomy. And that's why every show at the Coliseum comes complete with a crew to take care of each and every stroller. It starts off with three people and then ends up with about seven or eight. Really? Yeah. A lot of people guarding buggies. And usually on a free day when it's full here, it's like there's over almost 400 buggies. So... We're not kidding around. you got a lot of buggies. No. There's a lot of buggies, and people want to go home, and they want to get out of here. 
Bye. See you later. I, I do notice in strollers, and again, I'm not a parent. You're not a parent, no. so I have no idea. I have parents. I mean, I'm, I do too. Yeah. And we were both in strollers. That's true. But I've seen uh, children in strollers who can. Who can do this? Can walk, yeah. So, so I guess. So we're wondering. Why is that? So I guess it's because they get tired and they need right. to. Right. They don't have the stamina of the. And then you don't have to carry them when they start to whine. That's a good point. You don't have to carry